Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell. As you know, on our show, our mission is simple. We want to help organizations make better business decisions. And we do that through these weekly episodes that we get to you straight to your device. Um, And so we want to say for all those who are checking us out for the first time, welcome to the Kelly family. We are so honored you decided to take some time just to check us out. And we hope you find this content extremely valuable. If you want to know more about our show, if you have a guest that you feel would make a great person that we can interview, or um, you just simply are wrestling with a question or a problem that you would like some expertise on or some uh, leadership advice on, shoot us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-U-P-U-I.edu. You know, it's a big time, not only here at Kelly, but just across the country. You know, another 4th of July as we celebrate the principles and the values of this country. 243 years this country's been around. And it's really interesting. I was I was listening to a podcast yesterday, um, and there was a gentleman um, from this organization called Wall Builders that just, they collect a bunch of documents uh, from our founders' journals, and they want to create a central place for people to be able to go deeper into why America was founded, what our founders believed, and get to the principles uh, that has made this country so successful. Um, and he said that an average constitution for a country is only 17 years. But it's interesting because the United States Constitution is over 200 years old, which is so crazy to believe, but it's it's just a statement to, I think, the success of what our founders saw. And I think it's a statement to, you know, where we are as a country about these individual freedoms and individual equality and all about being the indi- at an individual level, your freedom, no matter who, where you are, what you believe, where you come from, you all have this individual protection to be able to create success for yourself and for your family. You know, Matt, that's an amazing statistic. I think at the heart of our resilience as a nation is the protection of individual freedom. It's a value that we embrace across the political spectrum. This country has attracted generational waves of immigrants from all over the world that embrace entrepreneurship and opportunity. And they came to these shores to explore that. And that exploration came with this expectation of political freedom. And political freedom goes hand in hand with economic freedom, which allows markets to flourish and the U.S. economy to time and time again perform beyond what people expect. And I want to explore, you know, specifics within the market. We sat down in January, you know, you, Kyle Anderson, myself, and had a discussion about the economic forecast of 2019. And it's interesting because here we are in July, right about the halfway mark for the end of, you know, 2019 and businesses are going to start looking into 2020, believe it or not. So where have we come since that forecast? And are you surprised? You know, give us give us kind of the uh, snapshot of where we are today. Sure, I think there's a joke going around that that folks have put the recession on hold. Um, the first six months of the year have actually been a little bit better than we expected. Um, still within the zone, but definitely on the optimistic side. Again, I get back to resilience. As we enter the second half of the year, we don't expect interest rates to rise. There's no fear of inflation. Uh, there's been a break in negotiations with China on the tariffs. Markets have sort of recovered 
from a from a a, a slight period when they were going down earlier in the year. So again, I'm I'm a little bit bull, more bullish than I was in early January. Um, now there's still signs that perhaps 2020 is going to be a slowdown, but it's going to be more just the economy just taking its breath instead of some fundamental bubble somewhere in the financial markets like we saw in 2008 or 2001. And, you know, what's interesting, I think when we talk recessions and we look recessions, usually I mean, as an economist, I'm sure I've heard many times, it's, it's very hard to predict a recession or when the market's all of a sudden going to swing and, and crash. But, you know, let me ask you, are there typically signs, you know, looking back at different recessions, are there typical patterns or signs that kind of indicate we could be getting to a recession? And do you see those? Absolutely. And we have to understand that uh, the economy moves in cycles. It goes up and it goes down. It's like anything else in nature. I mean, markets are a socio-biological expression of, of, of symbiosis. You know, if you're good at one thing and I'm good at another, we're going to naturally trade. You know, uh, early humans were trading before the term capitalism even came into any vocabulary. But what do we look for for a recession? Well, Matt, one thing has happened already that suggests that 2020 is going to be a slowdown. Before recession, we always see an inversion in the yield curve. What this means is, is that rates on bonds that have a long maturity are actually lower than bonds that have a short maturity. And what that means is that the market is building in expectations of an economic slowdown. And when there's an economic slowdown, that slows down the inflation that the market expects. And so when you see rates on short-term bonds higher than rates on long-term bonds, again, that's an inversion of the yield curve, then that tells us that the markets are expecting a slowdown. And that is a solid indicator that the economy will start to contract a little bit and unemployment should go back up. But what we've got to realize is that unemployment's way low, historically low. I mean, generationally low right now, below 4%, and it's been holding for a long time. It's hard to sustain long-term economic activity when unemployment is below 5%. So, so the simple slowdown that we expect in 2020 is simply going to be, in many ways, what, what economists would consider a return to normal. And so that means that the uh, expected slowdown is going to be pretty minor. It could be, you know, one of the more minor slowdowns that we've experienced in the last few decades was in 1991, when unemployment base barely went above 6%, and then it quickly came back in the 90s. Um, the other thing that we see, so, so besides an inversion in the yield curve, what else can you expect to see? Well, there's, there's, a, there's a series of events that typically starts with earnings reports. Um, one of the first indicators that there's a real slowdown coming is earnings goes down across different industries. So all of a sudden, companies are posting their annual, their, their income, their annual financial statements. Their profits are not what folks expected. The profits are, in fact, lower than last year. Lower profits then leads to a lower stock market. So then we see the stock market go down. And then what comes next is a slowdown in the economy. And that's when GDP growth uh, starts to, to go flat or go negative. And typically, we define a recession as negative GDP growth for two quarters. And then finally, after, un- after your GDP contracts, your gross domestic product, which is your measure of economic activity, then you see unemployment go up. So on a, the impact on the labor market is always a lagging indicator, whereas earnings reports are always the leading indicator. 
and also the yield curve. So do you see us as, you know, taking a snapshot today for where we were at the beginning of the year? Because I know, echoing again, you guys did say uh, you were optimistic, but yet to kind of go in a little cautiously into 2019. Are you still kind of giving that same um, advice? Would you give no, that I'm, same advice? I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I mean, if you go back and listen to that podcast, uh, Kyle and I were pretty cautious uh, we expected a good year, but we did. There was a lot of uncertainties, but I think that right now I'm a little, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little less cautious than I was then. Again, slowdown's coming, but I, I don't think there's as many dark clouds out there. Um, again, one of the other things that also differentiates this possible slowdown than others is that there's no fundamental misalignment in financial markets. I think the big thing that financial markets are worried about right now are is college loan debt. And uh, my last reading of the statistics was 11%, as of right now, 11% of all college loans are 90 days in arrears. So that means one in 10 of, of one in 10 college graduates who have debt haven't been able to pay their loans in 90 days. So I think that the issue of college debt, the issue of high housing prices, we have an affordable housing shortage in the country, I think that's disproportionately affecting younger professionals and folks just coming into the labor force. That does worry me. Um, but there's there's no financial market misalignment like we saw with the dot-com bust in 2000, 2001, or the uh, prime mortgage cri- subprime mortgage crisis in 2008. So one thing I want to kind of go back to is you're talking about the rise of unemployment. And as an economist, you know, saying that, you know, unemployment being so low, like the unemployment rate being so low for a long period of time is kind of a negative thing toward the economy. And I I kind of want to, as a non-business or kind of someone on the outskirts, uh, could you dive into that a little bit and talk about why you want unemployment not so low because, you know, if I'm a business person, I'm thinking, wow, like everyone's got a job or I'm just a general American citizen. You know, everyone's got a job. This is incredible. What's well, the negative? you know, there's positives and negatives. Um, the positive is that more folks have jobs. Uh, there's more choices. If you're upset with your boss or you don't like your current position, you can sort of jump out and find something new. And I don't want to discount that benefit. However, the, the economy is a system. It's a system of supply and demand. It's a system of markets. And ultimately, what drives our economy is the ability of organizations, especially companies, to be very productive and efficient. And when it's difficult to find workers, when it's difficult to find that talent, uh, a nice, steady growth cannot be sustained. Also, I think the more immediate impact is that when you have unemployment go really low, you can see a spike in wages, which is in of itself not bad. It means our paychecks are higher, but those higher wages are then passed on to higher prices, which can lead to inflation, which can lead to higher interest rates. And simply, it's simply a mechanism to bring the economy back to around 5% unemployment. There's always people changing jobs. There's always people moving. Uh, there's always factories closing. There's always new factories opening. And sort of the long-term... The long term tells it, or the history of the United States tells us that that five percent is sort of normal. That's when, um, you know, companies are not short of talent; they can grow steady. But at the same time, workers can still get jobs, and we're talking about the difference between three point eight percent and five percent unemployment. But when you have five percent unemployment, there's not this risk of inflation. Inflation adds risk to the system. It's it makes it a temptation to increase interest rates. 
So um, when you get out of balance, whether it's low unemployment or high unemployment, it just it, it feeds into the cycles of ups and downs, which adds more risk to the economics. And something and something ultimately will balance it out. If you have low, you're going to your interest exactly. Rates are you know, and that's what markets do. Coming back to markets, right? Markets in this country work very well. They're very efficient. Um, they also create some unequitable outcomes that are a real challenge that public policy needs to address. But our markets work really well in this country, and that's what's helped to drive our high rates of growth and the prosperity that we do see relative to uh, some of our European counterparts. So let me ask you, being an economist um, and also working and interacting with CEOs, what would you say if you're a CEO of an organization trying to figure out your next strategy for the rest of 2019, what's going to be your advice or how are you going to lead your organization in terms of uh, growth, in terms of purchasing, in terms of production? You know, what's going to be uh, your go-to or your vision for the rest of 2019? Sure. So if you had some small short-term investment projects that you were just holding back on in earlier this year, I would say maybe, maybe, maybe go ahead and make those investments. Um, even even this, even if we experience a slowdown, it's not going to be a catastrophic one, and that's going to set you up for the next, um, you know, for the next takeoff. When we go down, we come back up, and the smart the smart executives, the smart companies are making investments for the next takeoff period in markets. Um, also, I would accept the fact that even if markets turn, I think I think there's. I think some executives think that once we hit a recession, it's going to be easier to get the talent. And that's not true. Even if we have a, an increase in unemployment, it's not going to go up that much. And there's still going to be talent shortages. And what's driving that is demography. Um, there's just fewer and fewer workers coming into the market than there used to be. And there's more and more leaving through retirement. So it's time to level set and embrace all the things we talk about in the podcast. Culture, making your uh, organization a great place to work. Are you compensating your most productive individuals and not being cheap about it? Um, and really investing in people for the long term. I think the biggest pathology in the American economy is this uh, obsession with the short run. We have an obsession with quarterly statements in the U.S. economy. Our competitors in Asia, they don't think about quarterly statements. They think about five-year plans. They have a much long, they embrace the long-term much better than we do. And I think there's something to learn from that. And we need to look at our workers more as an asset than we do now. And we shouldn't see them as a transaction. This is, this is the time to make that investment also. Well, awesome, Phil. Just thank you so much for giving us your tips and helping us to make our visions and getting us through the rest of 2019. I know uh, this has been one of the more popular episodes from from our audience. And, uh, you know, if you want to hear more about it, like I said, shoot us an email to ROIPod. That's ROIPOD at IUPUI.edu. Uh, whether you're wrestling with a leadership decision, whether you want to know, uh, get some advice about where we're going in the economy, or you simply just want to nominate a guest, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, this has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella, alongside Associate Dean Phil Powell, where we're here on the show. We work hard to help organizations make better business decisions. We want to wish you a happy 4th of July. And God bless America.
We'll see you later. Thank you.